Pastor Roger as he brings in the word. Father, let your word transform. Let your word bring hope and life, Lord God, where there's discouragement, where there's doubt, where there's fear, where there's even depression, Lord God. I pray your word and your Holy Spirit would minister right into every soul. In Jesus' name, amen. It is really my joy to be with you this morning. And for Nick and I, it is our joy to serve in this house and uh, Pastor Simon and Lindy. Today we continue on our Design to Win series. Now the apostle of love, John, he writes in 3 John, he says, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. And so often we focus on the all things. We do it in our finance series, we do it in our business series, and we say, God wants you to prosper in all things. But it starts with even as your soul prospers. Maybe there's some discouragement in you. Maybe there's doubt, maybe there's fear, maybe there's even depression. The word of God wants to come to you today. God wants to touch you today. And at the end of the service, we're going to pray for you. But it's not just, it's not just through the laying of hands, but there's some principles in the word of God that you can take hold of today that can enable you to prosper in your soul, overcome. Now, in order for us to understand this, I want to put before you creation, the fall, the incarnation, and the resurrection. Firstly, creation. You and I are made in the image of God. There's something in us that aspires to greatness and to perfection. And when we see the world not as it should be, just something goes wrong in us. This is not the way it should be. We have been made for greatness and for great deeds and to live lives that are whole and full of joy and life and abundance. That's creation. We've been made in the image of God. But then there's the fall, and we do well to take cognizance of it. The world is not the way it should be. And you and I, outside of Jesus, are not the way we should be. There's this principle of sin that has come into the world, and that it has impacted everything. And so we see people doing terrible things, and we ourselves have sinned and rebelled against God. So creation the fall. Thirdly, incarnation. Jesus has come representing the Father perfectly. He is the perfect image of God. And Jesus said, as you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And we consider Jesus and, and the way he overcame, not in his God power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit that we can access. And yet we see him moving and operating with emotions. You know, emotions are not a bad thing. We see Jesus being furious as he cleans out the temple. And yet the Bible says, but in your anger do not sin. We see Jesus rejoicing, being fully alive. We see Jesus weeping. And so we need to understand when it comes to this area of our soul, it's not inappropriate for us to have a full range of emotions. In fact, we are made in the image of God and we are meant to carry a full range of emotions, and yet sometimes things go to extremes. So today, as, as we go forward, I want to talk about how we can prosper in our souls, how we can overcome. Now, wherever you are, I want to put to you that sometimes what we're feeling is, is from our body. It is actually physical. It's biochemical. Um, 
sometimes we have a, a physical depression. And I'm not a doctor, but we've got um, some amazing medical people in this church. And I encourage you, I think by Tuesday we'll have on our website uh, Dr. Brendan Belsham's video, which is amazing on depression. And have a look at it. Um, he's the foremost child psychiatrist in Johannesburg. So sometimes what we're feeling is because of our body. Sometimes it's because of our soul, because of our discouragements, because of what we've experienced, because of what's been done to us. And sometimes it's because of something wrong in our spirit, because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of where we are. So it's body, soul, and spirit that can impact how we feel. And all three of these interface with one another. But wherever you are, this is what the Word of God says. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. When I do my hikes in Michalisburg, one of the first things I look for as we do this particular river is I look for a stick. If that stick is bruised, if that stick can't hold up under weight, I mean, you might as well just break it off at that point and, and have a shorter stick. And the Word of God says that if you are bruised, if there's something in you is, that is not the way it should be, God is not going to break you off. But His Word is one of healing and wholeness and life. And if you're a smoldering wick, if, if you're not a flame because of things, either what you've done or what's been done to you or, or neither one, it's just how you're feeling, He will set you aflame again if you will let Him. St. John of the Cross and Medieval writer, he says, in the dark night of the soul, bright flows the river of God. In those moments of darkness, in those moments of need, God is close to the brokenhearted. We're going to look today at the story of Elijah. Elijah, like you and I, comes out of nowhere, and he's used by God powerfully. He stands before the king, and he says, there's going to be no rain, and there is no rain. He then goes to Kerith, the brook Kerith, and he's fed by ravens. How would you like to have one of those trained birds? You know, that just comes and brings you food. Later on, he, he goes to the widow of Zarephath, and he does this incredible miracle of, of, of the flour and the oil. And then he raises the son from the dead. And then he has this moment where he faces down the prophets of Baal. It's his apex moment. He is moving in the power of God. And we pick up from there. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings 18. You know, studies have shown that if you bring a Bible to church uh, on a Sunday, you'll know where it is during the week. But that's just saying. <laughs> so there's Elijah, and he's having this showdown, this face-off with the prophets of Baal. And he's told them, you know, if God is God, then ask him to set these things on a flame. And then he speaks to the people. Elijah comes near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two opinions? And the word of God is always to us. Are you going to choose me? Are you going to choose life? Or are you going to choose to do it your own way? Which is not life. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And then he cries out. We skip down to verse 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offerings, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up all the water was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They were very smart people. 
then finally do they believe. He was at the top of his game at that particular moment. And all of us have had great moments where we are rejoicing in God and we feel so strong in him. We know what happens. He brings justice um, to all those prophets of Baal who had committed high treason. And then something very interesting happens. After being fearless before everybody, he gets a message from Jezebel, the queen. And she says, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, you are dead meat. I'm wiping you out. And then it's such a surprise, verse 3. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life. From being just completely at the top of his game, facing down 400 prophets, calling down fire, all of a sudden he just folds. Hero to zero. And if you look at the stories of God's generals, and I encourage you to read some of these things, sometimes we have these moments where we just seem to fold in the face of just a little bit of adversity. And he arose and he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba. Now where he was at the time of the showdown was Mount Carmel, which was basically in the center of Israel, a little bit to the north, way to the side of the coast, second tallest mountain in Israel. And he's run down to Beersheba, which is way south and onto, onto the eastern side. I mean, he's crossed more than half of Israel. Goes down to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he leaves his servant there. He separates himself. But he himself went today's journey into the wilderness. And we all sometimes end up in these places of being in a wilderness. And he comes and sits under a broom tree. And he asks that he might die, saying, it is enough now. Oh, Lord, take my life. I remember once I was having a very, very, very rough time. And I was sitting in the kitchen talking to Nicola, and I was in like a fetal position, you know, like on the floor. And my son James walks in and he goes, interesting body posture, Dad. <laughs> Paul himself writes about, you know, to be far better that I, you know, I, I wish that I could go. I think we all have moments, maybe not all of us, but many of us have these moments where, if I could just go to glory, take me now, Lord. <laughs> if, I can, if my family and everything else can be great and I can go home and, and no longer carry these burdens, beam me up. We all have these moments. And this is what he says. It is enough. I can't take this anymore. And so we see an incredible restoration that God begins to do in his life from verse 5. And it says, he lay down and he slept under the tree. And behold, an angel touched him. And said, arise and eat. And he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of the Lord to Horeb, the mount of God. He actually has two moments between verse 5 and verse 8. Of eating, drinking, sleeping, eating, drinking, sleeping. And being touched by this angel. And then being given a, an instruction to go to the mountain of God. And he gets there. He obeys God and says, the Lord came to him. And he said to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? This is after God's told him to go there. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. I'm good. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I am left, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. There's a lot of I, and there's a lot of me, and there's a lot of self-reference in this point, of, in, at this point. And God says, 
go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And then we have this moment where God begins to speak. We've got a slight problem here. God speaks to him. I apologize. I'll tell you what happened. God begins to speak to him. First, there's, there's an earthquake. And then there's fire. And it says, and God was not in the earthquake. And he was not in the fire. And then there's a still small voice. And it says, and God was in the still small voice. And God says to him, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you shall arrive, you shall anoint Hazael and Jehu and Elisha. Now, how did he get here? Elijah got here through persecution, intimidation, fear, depression, loneliness. He'd been away from Israel for many years, living out in the wilderness. Other men had faced other problems. Jehu had faced temptation. Ahab had faced slow corruption. There are many ways we can end up into a soul crisis. You know, Paul writes, he says, I had a thorn in my flesh, and I prayed to the Lord for him to remove it. And he did not remove it, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You may have a physical problem. I don't know what you are facing. There may be some relational things that are just getting to you. But wherever you are, God's word, as it was to Paul, is my grace is sufficient for you. Let's look at what God does. Before we do, let's look at Elijah's path of getting there. He allows fear into his heart. These high levels of stress. He's disappointed that all of Israel didn't turn. Sometimes we end up in a crisis because our expectations are not met. Of people, or of, of the nation, of our job, and there's loneliness. Sometimes the presumption that we have in our soul as to what's going to happen with our careers, what's going to happen in our lives, just causes a soul crisis. Sometimes the uncertainty of our environments causes us to come into a crisis. Sometimes our biggest problem is that we are listening to the wrong voices. And Elijah listens to the voice of Jezebel. What are the wrong voices in your life? What are those voices that are pulling you away from God, causing you to be hostile, causing you to be angry, causing you to, bit, to be bitter, causing you to be judgmental, causing you to be discouraged. Sometimes what we face is simply physical and spiritual exhaustion. We've just given out too much. We just haven't stewarded ourselves. Sometimes, like Elijah, there's a misfocus. Elijah's focused on everybody else. He's not focused on the Lord. He's not looking to the one who has answered by fire, who's done great deeds. And he's focused on the wrong thing. Sometimes our path of destruction is that we isolate ourselves. Sometimes we can be physically there, but in our hearts we're not there. We're not allowing people in, in our area of weakness, in our area of problem, in our area of crisis. So we, we, are, we are lonely in a crowd. And some of you need to get into a relationship, get into a connect group and open yourself up to people. Sometimes we are doing things for God, 
and we're not doing things with God. We're not doing things that are strengthened and infused with the power and the might of God. What does God do? What does God do to restore him? First and foremost, God acts. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. All hope that we have starts and ends with God. Yes, there are things that we may need to do. Yes, there are things that people will do for us and to help us. But ultimately, it is God's mercy and is God's goodness. And God reaches out to him through an angel and touches him. And even that you are here today is a sign of God's goodness. Even that you are here listening is God saying, I love you and I want to help you. I want to meet with you in your time of need. And at the end of the service, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. And if you're in a difficult place in your soul, God's going to restore you. God's going to touch you. Who teaches the soul if not God? Secondly, the angels touches him and he lays food before him. It says, and he ate and drank and lay down again. You know, sometimes all we need is to go to bed. Sometimes all we need is to eat properly. This is what this verse is about. Sometimes we just need some, some refreshment. Sometimes we just need to take a Sabbath. Sometimes we need to start exercising. And sometimes, and please hear me well here, sometimes you need medication. What does Paul say to Timothy? He says, take a little bit of wine for your stomach. Now, I believe in miracles. I believe in the power of God. I've seen it in my own life. I had a physical problem in my arm, and I felt the power of God come like that. Yet at the same time, understand this. Medicine is not a second-hand healing. That's why Paul says to Timothy, take a little bit of this, this elixir, this wine. We don't know what wine it was. It was just natural wine for your stomach. Red wine, says somebody at the front. <laughs> We're not serving at the end of the service, okay? <laughs> Sometimes the problem is resolved with rest and refreshing and some good food and some good exercise and some medicine. And please hear me on that. And then he says to him, head for the mountain of God. Go to Mount Horeb. Go to the holy mountain. And this to me speaks of two things. Firstly, where is that place? Where is that moment? Where is that armchair? Where is that, that walk? Where is that garden? Where is that place that you meet with God? Where is that place where, where you've been meeting that five o'clock in the morning, that seven o'clock at night? Where do you meet with God? You've got to go back there. You've got to go back there. And secondly, the mountain of God, it speaks about God's house. It speaks to where God's people gather. And sometimes we are in a difficult place and we want God to meet with us by ourselves and He's going to meet with us through community. And he's going to touch us through living people who are also carrying Jesus. And then we need to listen. We need to learn to listen and learn to hear his voice. There was a great strong wind, after wind an earthquake, and after that a fire. You know, sometimes, and this is what it's saying here, God is not in those huge, big shout-out things. But his word to us is gentle, 
and it's a whisper. And it takes us persevering and pressing in. I loved what Simon, what Muruti said this morning. That sometimes we have to dig and press in and keep going. We need to persevere. We need to be patient. We need to press in. We need to not give up. In Jeremiah 29 verse 13 it says, You will seek me and you will find me when you look for me with all your heart. As you press into God and you seek after him, you will begin to hear his voice. And then God says to him, what are you doing here? You know, true repentance, true metanoia is not just saying, sorry, I was caught. It's not just saying, sorry, I was bust. True repentance is changing your values. And so God asks him a question, why are you here? And, and God's just told him to go to the mountain. Sometimes God wants to ask you, why are you in this place? What have you done? What have you not stewarded? What of your values are amiss? What decisions did you make? God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to do this again and again and again. And so he asks us the question. He, he says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says to Adam, where are you? And he says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Why? So that we're not going to repeat our mistakes. But we will understand the decisions that we made, the reactions that we had that got us into this place of destruction, of sadness. What are the things that you are doing that are dysfunctional or harmful or sinful that are destroying your own soul? You know, we need to, to guard our eye gate. And um, I was asked the other day, how do you sustain? We had our young adults and legends breakfast yesterday, which was amazing. And some of the young adults said, how do you keep going? How do you like not fall away? And I just used the example of a city. There's walls and there's a gate. And what the city lets in determines whether the city prospers and whether the city stands. What are you letting into your soul? Is it the word of God? Some of you need to go on a fast from media. In Jesus' name. Some of you need to stop sitting on social media or stop listening to the news. And you need to start, and just for a while, you need to start taking in the word of God. Because how you've got here is through focusing on all the negative words instead of focusing on the word of God. Because we need to get God's perspective on our souls, on our lives, on the nation. We need to see it from God's perspective. God says to Elijah, and remember what he said, I'm the only one who served you. I'm the only one who's been faithful. I'm the only one who's been good. Me, me, me. And he says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all those whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. We need to get God's perspective. And as we do, it brings healing to our soul. It brings comfort to us and pulls us out of the dark place that we are in. And then we need to take obedient action. I read the story and, um, about a psychiatrist, world-renowned psychiatrist. 
and uh, a case study was put before him. They said, this is the story. This is where this person is, deeply depressed, deeply overcome. What should they do? And he said, and he kind of blew them out the water. They thought they were going to say, he should go see a psychiatrist. And, and as you heard me say, I'm all in favor of medication and seeing doctors and psychiatrists where you need to. But you know what he said? The psychiatrist, he said, the first thing that this guy should do is he should walk out of his house, lock the door, go across the railway lines, and go help some people in need. <laughs> so I ran that by Brenda, and he said, yeah, he agrees. <laughs> that sometimes, sometimes the step of our healing is just, to, just for us to give a bit of love to other people. Just for us to start to give some love to other people. And what does he say to him? Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, impart to the next generation. Anoint Hazael, anoint Jehu, anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophets. So we need to go to the mountain of God. We need to get refreshing. We need to get correct perspective. We need to hear God's voice. But we also need to just do some simple practical things that are not always focused on ourselves and be obedient. There's a therapy called um, reality therapy, which says the reason why you're feeling bad is because you've been doing bad things. <laughs> and if you stop doing bad things, you'll feel better. And I understand that is applicable in certain circumstances, not applicable in all circumstances. But sometimes... You will feel a whole lot better if you just start doing the things that you're meant to do. Hear me, I'm not trying to oversimplify some things that are complex, but sometimes you just need to get up and start doing the things that you're called to do. Take obedient action, begin to make disciples. So God's path for Elijah is divine intervention. Get refreshment and rest and medication. Go to that mountain of God. Go to where you hear God. Go to where the people of God are. Learn to listen and to hear his voice and, and answer the questions. Learn from where you're at. Get God's perspective. Take obedient action and make disciples. As I conclude, we've all heard of kintsugi, this amazing Japanese art form where a jar or beautiful vase that is broken and is seemingly worthless, gets mended with gold, with literally with gold powder. And gold powder is filled in those gaps, and then it is sealed. And it becomes this most beautiful work of art, and it's far more valuable than it ever was before. You know what? All of us are meant to be kintsugi. <laughs> There's cracks in all of our lives outside of Jesus. But as we allow him in, as we allow him to heal us, and as we take responsibility for our part, and he touches us, we become vessels of honor fit for the master's use. Can we bow our heads in prayer together? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are the God of all comfort. And your heart is that we prosper in all areas, just as our soul prospers. And so, Father, we bring those parts of our heart, Lord God, those discouragements, those 
areas of despair, fear, anxiety, depression. And Lord, we welcome you in. We welcome you in, Lord God. Father, we, we consider the path of Elijah, Lord God, the, the mistakes that he made, Lord God. And then we consider, Lord God, your healing and your touch, Lord God. And you restored Elijah, Lord God. And that is what we look for, Lord God. Church, I'm going to ask that we all stand, please. And I'd like to ask the ministry team to please come forward. All the ministry team. God's presence is here. And there's a power in the laying of hands. And God wants to meet you today. He wants to bring an end to despair, end to depression, end to darkness. And if you can deal with this in yourself, just with you and the Lord, do that. Just lift up your hands or however you want to do it. But if you particularly need a touch from God, I'm just going to ask, invite you to come forward now. And these amazing vessels of God will, will lay hands on you and stand with you. So if, if you are facing discouragement, if you are facing depression, fear, anxiety, I'm just going to invite you to come up now. We're going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Come now. Lord, for all of us, we bring our souls before you, Father. If you're standing and you're not coming forward, just lift up your hands now. Lord, we, we bring our souls before you, Father God. And we pray, come in, Lord Jesus. Come in, Lord God. Breathe your breath of life upon us. Lord, cause us to prosper in every area, but cause us first and foremost to prosper in our souls, Lord God. Lord, may we be free of depression, of despair, of anxiety. Lord, you give us a peace that passes all understanding. So we say, Lord, we receive all that you have for us. Lord, as we lift up our hands, we say, come in, Lord Jesus. And Father, also speak to us, Lord, where we need to change our ways. Lord, where we need to head to the mountain of God. Lord, where we need to answer the questions of our lives while we are in the place that we're in. Set us free, Lord God. And show us, Lord God, our part and our responsibility. Father, I pray that all of us who are here will take time, Father God, to go to the mountain, Father, to listen to what you're saying to us, Father. And close the gates that we've opened, close the doors that we've opened, Father God, to the enemy's plans, that God, we will listen to what your voice is saying to us, what your word is saying to us, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for this great reminder to run to you, God, to run to you, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ.
friends, even as we close the service, if you're still needing prayer, you can come to the front. We have a ministry team here to pray. And those who are visiting with us for the first time through the glass doors to the left, we have tea and coffee for our first-time visitors. And for the rest of us, uh, for the Volunteer Sunday, there, is, um, there are tables at the back. You can get more information on how you can get involved. And God bless you. Have a great, great, great week.